0: start hearing the gospel message. that started with John. It ended and started. He came on the scene, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of God is here at hand. And Christ picks up that sermon and that, that teaching and goes forward with it and a lot more. And the righteous and everyone that is looking for the righteousness of Christ is pressing in. I'm reading these verses to press the point. That persistent faith presses forward.
1: This is Cross Reference Radio with our pastor and teacher, Rick Gaston. Rick is the pastor of Calvary Chapel Mechanicsville. Pastor Rick is currently teaching through the book of Acts. Please stay with us after today's message to hear more information about Cross Reference Radio, specifically how you can get a free copy of this teaching. But for now, let's join Pastor Rick in the Book of Acts, Chapter 12, as he begins a new message called Faithful Unbelief.
0: We are in the Book of Acts, Chapter 12. We will take verses 6 through 19 in the study, but we will read verses 5 through 19 in under three minutes. It's worth it. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 5 through verse 19. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, and did not know that What was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down the street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And When Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, "'You are beside yourself.' Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, "'It is his angel.' Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, "'Go, tell these things to James and to the brethren.' And he departed and went to another place." Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death, and he went down to Judea of Caesarea and stayed there. Faithful unbelief, faithful Peter doubted that he was being delivered, thinking it was a vision. Then the faithful believers... Doubted that he was delivered while they were praying for his deliverance and he's knocking at the door. We are not picking on these believers. We are appreciating that the Holy Spirit has preserved this for us so that we could be encouraged. Because we too, though faithful to the Lord Jesus, find ourselves sometimes in a state of unbelief. We're just not getting it. We're just not feeling it. Trusting God does not always deliver the desired results to us. We trust God, and then the worst happens. This happens in the scripture, and it happens in our lives, and we as believers, we learn to process it and do something about it or do something with it at the very least. A shallow faith stops right there. I did not have my urgent need answered, and they don't grow. They may even backslide. Remember, the prophet met Naaman's needs, but he did not meet Gehazi's wants. And there's a lot, of le- a lot of lesson in that for us. Our Lord, through the Holy Spirit, is constantly calling us to do what we cannot do in our own strength, to depend on him. If we are going to accomplish things for the kingdom, we want to do it in communion with God, with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just because it seemed to be the thing to do. We want that communion, that fellowship. And it is certainly easier to sink downward than to struggle upward. This is just a fact of the life, the world we live in. Especially when there is no flame in the heart. It's very difficult to fight upward to get out of some rut that we might find ourselves in, or some bad habit that perhaps we have latched on to. Charles Spurgeon said long ago, a touch of enthusiasm would be the salvation of many a man's religion. Some Christians are good enough people. They are like wax candles, but they are not lit Oh, for a touch of the flame. And I don't want to be a wax candle. I I do not want to be without the flame. But I have to work for it. Nowhere in the scripture does this come to us easily. Uh, It is a struggle. Persistent faith presses forward. This is emphasized in the New Testament. It existed certainly in the Old also. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There is force involved. There is this struggle. Not suggesting being violent towards people, but it is. There is violence concerning the evil and the sin and the self. I mean the self, the sinful self. It just makes us petty people at the least monstrosities at the most. Luke chapter 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Now Christ is talking about the transition period into the New Testament. And he continues to say, since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. You start hearing the gospel message that started with John, it ended and started. He came on the scene, repent for the kingdom of God. Heaven is here, the kingdom of God is here at hand, and Christ picks up that sermon and that, that teaching and goes forward with it, and a lot more. And the righteous and everyone that is looking for the righteousness of Christ is pressing in. I'm reading these verses to press the point that persistent faith presses forward, whether prayers are answered or not, whether our desires are granted or not. I mean, you can, put, you, you can put so much into something, and then when you get the opposite result, it can be devastating. I tried so hard. I tried in ministry. I tried to serve. I tried to be a good father. I tried to be a good uh, you know, whatever it is. And then you meet with some failure. What are you going to do? Uh, the idea is to press forward. Apostle Paul, I press toward the goal or the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are faithful when we believe in Christ, but we are not always full of belief when it comes to how things are going to turn out. God knows this. For the Apostle Paul, he told the believers, it just tells us in Acts 14, strengthening the souls of the disciples, which means they were weakening or at least susceptible to, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God because straight and narrow is the way. And to get through a narrow opening, one has to squeeze through, press through. And so don't be surprised when you find yourself pressing forward in your faith, squeezing through. It's not as easy as maybe you were expecting it to be. Don't be knocked out of the box by that. Keep going. It is going to be fruitful if you persist. And, of course, prayer is a big part of this. We've got to learn how to pray. I don't know why it is we think that because we are saved, we automatically know how to pray. Well, some it may come more easy to them than others. But some of the rules for prayer... I'm going to list 800 of them. Here are 800 points. (laughs) I'll just give four that I send out to me. When I pray, I must pray within the rules of Scripture. I cannot go outside of what the Bible teaches. I cannot go contrary to what the Scripture teaches in my prayer. When I pray, I have to remember to trust in the character of God. That if he allows or disallows, he is still good. And I will trust him for that and leave it there. I will pray with sense. I don't think stupid prayers glorify God. And by by that I mean prayers that just are mindless. And there are those that offer mindless prayers. They just aren't even thinking about what they're saying. And then, and we'll get to that towards the end. I'll quote that from Corinthians, where Paul says, I will pray with understanding, and then I will pray to the finish, and not just be knocked out because things aren't turning out my way. If it takes a lifetime on a particular prayer request, so long as there is breath in me and an opportunity, I will stick to it. I think this has something to do with what we're talking about, because here is Peter on death row. He's going to be executed at daybreak. The saints are praying hard for him because they already lost James under the same circumstances. Whether they prayed so hard for James or not, we're not told. We can assume that they were praying for James, which would be exciting because James, of course, was beheaded. And rather than pack up their prayers and keep and, and no longer go forward, they're praying. In verse 6, we look at. Because verse 5 set up for us, Herod had arrested Peter. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Six men watching one. As I mentioned, well, where it says, and Herod was about to bring him out, this is the daybreak execution. That's when it was scheduled for the morning. But the believers... They did not cast away hope. They were praying. Peter was sleeping, it tells us here in verse 6. Probably the only Christian that got any sleep that night in Jerusalem was Peter. The one who was in jeopardy. The one that was in danger. He's just sleeping. Apparently resting in the will of God. There's some exhaustion there too. But Peter understood what the Lord said to him The prophecy, and we've covered this going through Acts, that he would be old when it was time for him to die, and he would die the martyr's death. Peter brings this up in his second letter. He says, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. Well, that's years later that he writes that, what we know as Peter's letter. But in these days, he's still relatively young. It's not time for him to die. And that's why I say he's resting in the will of God. Peter had no hope of being raptured. He functioned as an extraordinary Christian, as an extraordinary apostle, without ever thinking that one day I'll be raptured. He would die a violent death because of the things he believed, and to him it was worth it, and he would do it again. Peter was delivered from prison twice, that we read about. Paul, not so much. We'll come to that. But here, he lives in the shadow of the cross, all of his Christian service. As I mentioned, Paul notified the Christians that we, through many tribulations, entered the kingdom, encouraging them to not give in. Acts chapter 9, God said this to Paul. I will show him, he's saying it to Ananias to get to tell Paul, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. When it is my time to die, I would like to go, to go out of this life like my grandfather. Asleep, sound asleep. Not screaming and crying and carrying on like his passengers. (laughs) I didn't deliver that right. I don't know, something was missing, but you got the point. (laughs) Grandpa sleep at the wheel. Who doesn't want to go out in their sleep? I think we all do. Maybe when you're young and, and, you know, just enter the faith and you're all excited. But as time goes on, you know, you just, you know what, I I think I'll just go with the easy way. Well, we want to go the way God wants us to go, whether it is through life or out of life. Bound with two chains, verse 6 still. Between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. There is a difference between being asleep while chained and asleep in chains. That makes my point. Some are active in faith in spite of life's limitations, restrictions, things that they just cannot do, the freedom that they cannot achieve. Others are just inactive, prisoners of life, not doing much for the kingdom, not even talking to God about, is there anything else I could do for you? Which I think is a sensible prayer. We talk about praying sensibly, Lord, who are you? What would you like me to do? Growing in the knowledge and grace of God. Well, we meet Christ and we we know him personally, but there are things about him that we have to learn as life moves forward and relearn. That's why Paul prayed that the believers would grow in the knowledge and grace of Christ. Interesting. Oh, the grace and knowledge. Because some have the knowledge, no grace. But to have true grace, you're going to have some Bible knowledge that will That's a critical point that Satan does not want you to get. And there are entire churches and denominations that have tossed what the Bible teaches away and they're just now doing their own thing in the name of the church. That is less than ideal. Verse 7, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Angels are God's servants who serve God's servants also. And they do other things, but one of the outstanding features about angels in relation to us is that they serve us at God's behest. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Psalm 134.7 tells us that the angel of the Lord encamps about the righteous. Elisha asked God that, he could, that the servant's eyes, that God would open his servant's eyes so he could see that there were more with them than against them. And there he saw the chariots of fire. Matthew 4.11, after Christ had faced Satan in the wilderness, then the devil left him. Luke adds for a while. And behold, angels came and ministered to him, to the Christ, our Lord. First Kings 19.7, speaking of Elijah, who had this great, this, this, this fantastic victory on Mount Carmel against evil. And then he flees. At, once he gets to the gate of the city and he finds out there's a, a contract on his life to kill him, he flees to the wilderness and there he feels he's a failure because in that sense he is. And the Bible tells us, and an angel of Yahweh came back the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And so there we see the angel ministering to the prophet, making him strong to continue his work. We'll come across angels in the book of Acts at least twice more, strengthening Paul, the apostle. It says here in verse 7, a light shone in the prison and struck Peter on the side and raised him, and raised him up. Is that the same verse that gave me a hard time earlier? <laughs> am I am I being uh, stalked? It's interesting. The light awakens no one. They're all so sound asleep. This is what we could say uncreated light in the physical realm. Certainly brought in from the spiritual. In other words, he didn't light anything. It just comes with this messenger of God. It is going to help Peter find his sandals (laughs) and his cloak and the exits. This messenger strikes Peter just enough to awaken him without harming him. It is a heavy strike, according to the Greek word. It is the same word that's going to be used when the angel strikes Herod to death. But he doesn't kill Peter, doesn't even harm him. But he gets him up. Evidently, Peter was in a deep sleep because he's Droggy enough to suppose this is not really happening. Well, saying arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. The miraculous still called for action. This was a miracle that the just the fact that the angels in the room with him, that there's light uh, coming from uh, no known source other than the angel, and that um, uh, the Peter's the chains have fallen off of his hands. The miraculous, though, still called for the action in the in the physical. Peter still had to do things. He didn't just hover his way out of jail. Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, is careful about his research. We we learn that in Luke's Gospel, chapter one, verse three, where he says, "I." I paid attention to these things. I was very careful. I investigated what I'm telling you, O Theophilus. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Here's the interesting thing. Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. God told Moses and Joshua to remove their sandals when they stood before him because it was the time to worship. Peter is told to put on his coat and sandals because it is time to move. John's Gospel again, chapter 21, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Well, he's girding himself, and he's not old yet, not relative to the prophecy. He's still in control of himself, his future, his destiny, to the, under the leadership of God, the Lord Jesus. Peter was responsible to put on his shoes and his garment, his sandals. He would remember this for the rest of his life, no question. It certainly impressed Luke. He's writing this 15, 20 years later. He had to go back and question people about this, which would have been Peter and John Mark and whatever believers were around. when Peter first told the story while it was fresh in his mind. Verse 9. <clears throat> so he went out, followed him, and did not know that What was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Well, he had a vision before while in Joppa, and this tells us that visions of God are are that real. They make such an impression on us. But this, again, is no vision, and Peter is not able to make that distinction yet. Well, that, again, is encouraging to me. Things are not all, you know, just automatic. Sometimes it just is to have to unfold before us. Maybe somebody asks you something or requests something of you. And you, at least I do, purposely often take my time to get back to them because I I, I pursue it with the Lord. Well, that comes with the position that I have as a pastor. But even outside of being a pastor, I try to practice that. Um, it's, it's a good practice to give space to the Lord to minister to you if, if you have time. Verse 10 When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Angels, again, in Scripture, never appear to be interested in hanging around here any longer than they have to. There's just no place like home.
1: You've been listening to Cross Reference Radio, the daily radio ministry of Pastor Rick Gaston of Calvary Chapel in Mechanicsville, Virginia. As we mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, today's teaching is available free of charge at our website. Simply visit crossreferenceradio.com. That's crossreferenceradio.com. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to the Cross Reference Radio podcast. Subscribing ensures that you stay current with all the latest teachings from Pastor Rick. You could subscribe at crossreferenceradio.com or simply search for Cross Reference Radio in your favorite podcast app. Tune in next time as Pastor Rick continues teaching through the Book of Acts, right here on Cross Reference Radio. Thank you.